Alright, we are back with our second episode of Bars and Cars, and this week we're uh, taking a look back at the uh, the weekend's race out here at um, at Talladega. Ryan, what you, uh, what you think of the Talladega race? I actually really liked it. Uh, for me, being in my 22 years old, I have never seen a pack of cars be able to dominate a restricted plate race like that. I mean, you haven't seen that in probably at least two or three decades, so I've never seen it. So it was really... It's actually cool, kind of fun to watch a team like Stuart Haas really just have better cars on a restricted plate race. Yeah, um, and and it was it was interesting. You know, I've been been watching racing for about about thirty years now, and you know, in, in seeing a team that was just that much better when they just got in line, it wasn't it wasn't even a matter of of pulling off the field. It was a matter of they were able to drive away from the field, and and I, there was there was some. Some uh, some points where it seemed like if the field could just get you know get lined up a little bit better, they might might be able to take a run at them. But what was um what was really your favorite favorite part of the race? I thought the uh, I thought the end was actually really good. Um, the last couple of laps, obviously, we got into overtime, and that put the whole fuel thing into play. Mm-hmm. You know, the two dominant teams, Pinsky and Stuart Haas, both lost a guy to fuel, being Harvick and Blaney. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were set for a really, really good finish until Kurt Busch ran out of fuel because Almirola did have a run, but then Kurt ran out, so they made the finish a little less climactic, if you will. Yeah. But uh, it was good to see Almirola finally get in victory lane. Uh, showed a lot of emotion, which the sport needs. And we have two kind of, I wouldn't have guessed Chase and Eric Almirola would be the two locked in to the next round, and here we are. Uh, that I would definitely agree with. I mean, actually... One of the things that I thought was interesting about it is we had, uh, you know, we had a, we had a, a race in Talladega, we had a super speedway race where, frankly, we didn't destroy that many cars. Like I, I suppose we had a big one, but it wasn't it wasn't like a half the field kind of big one, you know. The, the worst car was probably De Benedetto's. Mm-hmm. His nose got destroyed. Either, I mean, usually we have a big one and it completely destroys three or four cars. Oh, I totally agree. So I mean, it's relatively attrition-free for a cup for a restrictor play race at least. Oh yeah, and I mean we we've seen it before where you get to the end of a restrictor play race and you might only have you know four or five cars that have got no damage and the rest of the field has been involved in some kind of wreck. Like but, the uh, Coke Zero Four Hundred. Like the Coke Zero Four Hundred. Yes. <laughs> And, but one of the other things that um, I thought was interesting about it is the car, you know, one of the cars that you looked at all during the race, and you just, I mean, you looked at the Stuart Haas cars, and you said, one of those cars is probably going to win the race. I mean, they've been leading all day, they've been strong all day, one of those cars should have won the race. And how often do you see at restricted play races where regardless of who's been running strong all day because of the wrecks and the yellows and the overtimes like how often do you actually get a car win a restricted plate race where you look at it and go they've been the strongest car all day yeah it doesn't happen that often and what's funny about it is probably the two worst Stuart Haas cars finished one too because Harvick ran out of gas and then I don't remember where Kurt Busch ended up but he might have gotten caught in that incident at the end but you had Almirola and Boyer, you could argue the two worst cars in that stable who got the 1-2. But yeah, you still had two of the best four cars cross the line 1-2. And 
you know, I would venture to guess Harvick definitely would have been in that top five at the very least if he would have ran out of fuel. I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, and, and the thing about it, it was, it was funny watching uh, watching El Marola after the, uh, after the race and do his interviews and go, man, I, I, you know, I still had fuel left, you know, like he was, he, like his car was just so strong that like he was at the back of that four car field. Yeah, he said and, he was going half throttle. Exactly. Half throttle and still going quick enough to not lose his teammates yeah no Amarula had a strong car um but even even coming down the stretch for that restart um you had Kevin Harvick you know start to sputter and Clint Boyer same thing sputtered and went in um but that was still the right call because so often you get two maybe three shots at overtime yeah we were we were lucky that no one else ran out when the green dropped because that's what causes a big one exactly you got somebody in the middle lane who runs out of fuel and or in the inside lane has nowhere to go you can't go to the apron because you're going to spin out you can't go high because there's someone above you that's what causes a big one you got it somebody runs out of gas going through a corner you know going through a corner the person next person in line checks up and that's you know just chases it right up the right the track Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So we got lucky there, but yeah, it's it's a great race, good finish. Um, I thought it was cool to see four cars dominate like that because I've never seen that in my <laughs> racing life on a restrictor plate race. You see it in mile and a half all the time, a couple mm-hmm. cars that are just better. You don't see it at Dago or Daytona. So it was for me, it was kind of cool to actually see. I I thought it was impressive, but the um, the. The most fun I had watching that race is um, is right in the middle where it did get broken up a little bit, and you had three, uh, you know, you had three, uh, you know, about you know three lines all shuffling for the uh, for the lead, and actually late in the race, I, you know, you can't really say it was you know it was drama free because late in the race you had you had Brad, Joey, and you know and Ryan Blaney all lined up and you know looked like they were gonna take a you know take a run at it, so you know it just. The outside lane, man. They just needed to stack up in the outside lane. It just just never formed up. Yeah, it's like they were content battling for fifth. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They just they'd watch for two hundred laps that they couldn't beat Stuart Haas. So <laughs> let's be the best of the rest, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was good. Though. It was good. No, I definitely enjoyed the race. But um, all right. Well, so one of the things that we've been been uh, talking back and forth is just making sure that um, that everybody is uh, everybody's clear on. You know, I'm, I'm how the points work. I'm transitioning from going to the regular season, um, now being halfway through the playoffs. So let's just um, let's talk through the uh, and talk through how the points work. Yeah, so. it, it literally doesn't change. It's the exact same structure. So in the stages, if you're finished first, you get a playoff point. Mm-hmm. And then you get ten stage or ten regular points. Mm. Second through ten get nine, eight, etc. So that gets you through the first two stages. Mm. And then if you win the actual race, you get your forty plus ten playoff points. And then second gets thirty nine, blah 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 blah, all the way down. Mm. It literally is the exact same structure. Because if it wasn't, if it was just playoff points, then somebody like Kevin Harvick, who has a seventy one point gap, literally could start and park and be fine. Because the max he could lose is now 11 points to the playoff field. Right. So and it's, it's the exact same. I mean, the, the, thing, the thing, uh, thing about it also is, is now that we're in the playoffs, 
all of your playoff points and regular points, all of those essentially accumulate into one bucket. Yes. Versus like when you're going through the regular season, you have your regular season points and then if you're getting your stage wins and your, your regular wins, like you'll you'll look at that and go, Okay, I've got I've got my stage win you know, my, my playoff points accumulated, but I can only use those playoff points assuming I make it to the playoffs to begin with. Now, one of the things um, that I want to make sure, like just going going through the regular season, even though you're getting points, like for stages, you're getting points one through ten, you're going stage one, stage two, but those are actually just regular, essentially regular bonus points going through the season. It's only those it's are only a playoff point for a st- for a stage win or at the end of the race. Those ten, nine, all the way down to one mm-hmm. regular points are to help you get into the playoffs if you don't have a win. Right. They're 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 to make they're to make finishing hot during the regular season. It's it's meant to make you know um, to give you motivation to finish high in the uh, stages. Uh, in the stages themselves. Yep. So you don't just get to the uh, get to the end of the stage and you know go hey I'm gonna go to, go ahead and roll down pit road and work for uh, for track position. So you know you actually have some you know, some motivation to race all the way through a stage. Exactly. Uh, stage. exactly. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, so looking at some of the changes that we have now for the upcoming, um, you know, for the upcoming season. You know, we've got a, a, a few different packages that we're, you know, that we're, uh, we're looking at. And the first one is, you know, is let's, let's talk about the restricted plates. You know, this week, weekend, this weekend was Talladega. So let's talk about the, uh, the changes that will actually be done to the restricted plate tracks. Now, with this new package, with the new spoiler, and um, you know, and with the um, you know, with the higher horsepower, and we're actually gonna you know going to go to you know back to Talladega and to Daytona with more horsepower than you know than we've had before. How, how do you think that's really gonna affect the uh, the racing? It'll be interesting because with the spoiler being higher, it should kind of help with the handling in a way. Because that was a big issue this year. Mm-hmm. Is guys were just complaining about how loose it was, no matter what they changed the car. You got it. So it should help with the handling, but then you increase the speed of the car. That should also not help the handling. So I think we're going to see a lot of what we had this year that's going to be going faster because they're going to counteract one another. Spoiler is going to go up to help with the handling, but you're going to go faster, which is going to hurt the handling. So I think they're really going to cancel out. I think we're going to have handling issues again. They're going to be going faster. So I think it's going to be crazier. <laughs> that's what I think. I, mean, I think they're counteracting the problem. It's going to just lead to faster, more hectic racing, which we as fans love to see. Well, and the other thing, um, the thing about it is, um, is that like, like we saw this at Talladega where you know they were talking about, you know, talking about how how they lined up the rear end, you know, to make sure that they're that they're getting on, um, you know, that they're getting more of, you know, like more of the spoiler exposed versus less of the spoiler exposed. So you're you're always looking at that. Um, at that, you know, how much drag do you put on the car in order to get better handling um, versus how much, you know, how much downforce do you give up, you know, for better, you know, for better speed down the straightaways and things like that. But um, now this is, this is a question that I had though, is because, you know, I've been, been reading about this and, um, you know, and they've been talking about uh, the changes to the bodies, the changes to spoilers and the spacers and things like that. But what are they gonna? 
what's going to happen with the um, with the ride height rule? Because at the beginning of the season, they went to no ride height rule, right? I mean, they could put those suckers right down on the ground, which meant you know you could you could make the cars you know very aer- aerodynamic, but like it's also like man, you don't have a lot of suspension travel. Like that makes it a little you know that makes the car you know definitely more more difficult to handle. What's what's going on with the uh... it's interesting because I think that sets apart you know a lot of people talk about in NASCAR big issue being the equipment determining if you're any good or not which is there traction to that statement I believe there is but I think this helps with that because if you can manage to have your ride height be really really low and still handle the car mm-hmm. like that shows you can flat out drive a car mm-hmm. no matter what you're driving So for me, I like the rule because I think it can separate your drivers from your true drivers. So I mean, I don't. That's my thought on it. All right. So you, you, you think that? um, So I'm just just trying to look at it. Look at it. Just um, just look at the the full field uh, full field rundown for the uh, for the finishing. um, You know, for the for Talladega this weekend. But you think that that looking at um, you know looking at this. You know you're, you know you're gonna look at it and say, all right, well this is gonna going to, uh, you know, to put a little bit more in the driver's hands where you, yeah. you know where it's not gonna be so much just flat out equipment. You're gonna be able to really close up the uh, um, close up the field. And when you uh, look at the ride heights of Dega; they're really low for the most part. Mm-hmm. So if you watch the show, I think it was Brad Keselowski's in car camera going through the triable. Mm-hmm. His ride height was probably one of the lower ones in the field. And it was a handful. You just turn it right to go through the trioval when the, the air gets on the car in the wrong way. So I just think it shows the talent of the driver more, which is what a lot of fans seem to be complaining about or disliking. That you know anybody you put in that four car can finish top five all day long. Now is that true? Who knows? Because it's Kevin Harvick's seat for the foreseeable future. But if you would, that is a counteract to that. Is that you know if your ride height's really low and you can handle the car, you can drive. Now. How are we doing? I'm great, Kayla. How are you? Good. I'm good. Good. Kayla, you are now on our podcast. Yeah. Oh. How about that? Say, say hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> right. So, um, so I can, you know, I can see where where you're saying, I know what you're saying on that, but like, it it'll be interesting to see how all those things work together because, like, with this this current package, you saw. You know, you saw at Daytona where everybody was running around the high group. You know, we came out and for, you know, right out of the gate at the 500, you know, people said no ride height, put the suckers on the ground. And you use as much of the racetrack as possible. You used as much of the racetrack as possible. And then we saw, you know, we saw Talladega, saw it go the opposite way. You know, and, and, and also, like, even through the first part of a run, you saw a car start to, you know, the back end start to get out from underneath it, um, underneath it, like, you were looking at it, and I know that, like, you were looking at it, and, and you were just wondering how long was it going to take for, say, Brad to get a nose under somebody, and just move one of the, you know, move one of the sewer Haas cars up the, uh, up the racetrack, I mean, didn't happen, but you know, but you could see, like you could see, Logano was chasing up the, uh, um, was chasing up the, uh, um, the the track a little bit, going through that first stage. You know, tires were going away, things like that. Yeah, you. A lot of them weren't. They were like in between the double yellow line and the middle groove. It's like mm-hmm. they were halfway up the first groove because their handling went so bad. And even for Pinsky, because Pinsky, they talked about at the beginning of the race how they went conservative from a handling perspective. Yeah. And they still were having that issue. So you only wonder what other teams might have been having. 
if you weren't Stuart Haas, you were having handling problems. I mean, they were rolling all day long. Kudos to them, but everybody else was having issues. Uh, they, they were, but and one of the other things is, you know, is, is you do have to give just such a nod to, to Stuart Haas Racing for for being able to, you know, just choreograph that and, and, and maintain that all the way through the race because the fact of the matter is that you look at some of the other teams and you, you don't know what they had. Like, you, you found out what Stuart Haas had because they were, like, nobody stepped out of line. Like, everybody knew exactly, you know, hey, we're going to hug the old line all the way around. Nobody, you know, nobody uh, um, drift up. Like, it, n- from the front car back, nobody was guessing. None of their teammates were guessing. But then, then you got back in the field, and you're kind of guessing, you know, uh, just reacting to what the, uh, you know, what the person in front of you is doing. I'm not a big fan of team orders. Like, you see that in F1 all the time. But in this case, I loved it as a team. Mm-hmm. You know you have the four best cars. So let's make sure we're one through four, and if you're gonna pass this, go ahead and get by us on the outside, and then kudos, and no one can do it. You got it, yeah, and I, I, I agree with that because you know, hey, if you're gonna pass the lead car, man, you got to be faster than them, and you got to do it clean, right? Yeah, and that's so, the one thing I didn't like about the race. People, whoever was in row three or four, didn't push the envelope to make sure they couldn't get one through four. Yeah, like whoever's in fifth bump the hell out of whoever was in third so that the fourth place car can't get down or vice versa you got it. Like, that didn't happen that's the only thing i didn't like about the race is it was usually a pinsky car because they were really good mm-hmm. and they when you start they wouldn't push the envelope yeah. that what was a, your opportunity what a freaking day for ford though holy cow man they were like all the fords were running they had the seven best cars oh yeah yeah but like even you are right on the uh, like right off the starts because you had um, you, like you had fresh tires and everything like that, um, but you needed you needed that outside lane tucked uh, like tucked in tight, and that it, it seemed like that was the struggle all day. It was getting getting all of those cars to long because on those tight. starts, even if you only get one Stuart Haas car out of the way, mm-hmm. it's that much harder for three cars to drive away. You got it. Yeah, even if you just get get to a quarter panel, um, get to a quarter panel, just you know, just move, just pull back a little bit, just move up and around. You just pick them off one at a time. But I don't know, no. Um, so you know, we got we got a you know Kansas coming up, which puts Martin Truex in a little bit of a position, man. What do you uh, what do you think about the other uh, seventy eight moving through the next round? I think he's got a really good shot at. I know he's close right now, but unless he blows the tire and hits the wall, I would sharpie in a top five at the very least. So, unless a miracle happens for Bowman, which I don't think is going to happen. Ah, man. The only miracle that I could see is Larson, because he can run the top of Kansas and do really, really well. Yeah. And, and we, we saw that a little bit, you know, at, um, at uh, you know, there at Chicagoland, you know, and they're like Chicagoland and Kansas, their sisters, their sister tracks are, they're, they're uh, a, a little similar, but, you know, we saw, we saw Kyle Larson being, be able to, to get late in a run and just be able to hunt down the other cars, just pick them off one at a time. So, you know, I, I would like to see Kyle Larson finally get a green flag run from like like 50 laps 50 laps to go until the end till the end till the end he's my guy to watch so you look at brad brad's like 25 points out i don't see him winning kansas i just don't mm-hmm. larson's somewhere in that range as well so they're basically 
BK, Larson, and Bowman are winner bust essentially in all likelihood. Larson can win. So if you want to have somebody to keep an eye on, you watch Larson because if he wins, someone who probably should be in the top eight is going to be out because he surprises and wins. He can win this weekend, no doubt. All right. So what we're looking at, and so really quick, I know we've been talking a lot about the uh, the restricted plate races and you know and things like that. That, but you know, let's um actually let's let's talk a little bit about um you know about just the the package on a. Uh, on uh, some of the other tracks that, um, that aren't going to be, you know, that aren't going to be the, the super speedways and such. But let's talk about the the intermediate tracks because that, um, you know, the the 550 horsepower, like that looks like that's gonna that's gonna apply to a lot of the the inter, uh, a lot of the intermediate tracks too. So it looks like the you know about you know all the tracks that are going to be short tracks, you know. Um, it looks like you know your Richmonds, your Bristol's, your Watkins Glen, you know your short tracks and uh, and road courses are all going to have the 750 horsepower. But you know, you're going to be going to, you know what, man? You know we're we're talking about Chicago Land and what a great race that was last year. And you're going to be going to Chicago Land, going to be going to uh, um, you know to Charlotte, you know with um you know with um. Uh, you know, with this this new you know this new this new aero package and you know and this new space package, it'll it'll be interesting because the fans want to see closer racing. Mm-hmm. So this is definitely going to be that. How much better passing are we going to see? That still very much remains to be seen. Yeah. If you look at IndyCar, they did the exact same thing. They built a package where they're going to be closer together on a road course, a street course, and an oval. Mm-hmm. Just a matter of the passing. Now, the yeah. passing wasn't necessarily all the way there. Some tracks it was, some it wasn't. I think we're going to see that here, too. Yeah. They are definitely going to be closer. <laughs> the, the question is, how much does the racing truly improve? You're right. Now, now Indy's a little different, though, because we saw that in the 500 where, you know, where with that new package, like, the starts were great, but yeah, once the, you got into a run, you could catch somebody, you couldn't get around them. For me, like, being from Indy, the 500 has been an absolute spoiler for fans the last six years. Like, absolutely crazy passing. You know, finishes within tenths of a second of totally. one another. And this race wasn't bad if you truly understood racing. If you're a casual fan, which when you have 105,000 people coming to Daytona or 250,000 people going to the 500, some of that fandom are just casual fans who want to see a race. So they don't understand that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So it was a step back for the casual fan, but the Indy 500 was still a really good show. Oh, totally. It's just it was it wasn't 68 lead changes like we had last two years ago. <laughs> you got it, and, and 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 you're you're right on that. Like in in some of these these uh, most recent Indy 500s, it definitely seems like whoever's behind has you know, has the advantage. You know, coming until, to the strike, it's like you're you're almost until this year. <laughs> you probably wanted to be in second place with yeah. that to go. Yeah. Or hey, um, what about? Uh, who what was it? Was it was it Rossi? The, the, the one or Safe two, Fuel, yeah, hundredth hundredth race. Yeah, and uh, that was another interesting one because the casual fan doesn't understand what just happened. Like, how does this guy win? He was going hundred miles an hour. Mm-hmm. No, but us being like your hardcore fans, mm-hmm. you know, I was there and. I told my dad with 20 laps to go, I was like, 98, Rossi's, he's saving. Oh, yeah. He's saving. That's his game. Let's see if he does it. And he did it. And it was absolutely epic. And it was it was great. And the, the thing about that is, and don't get me wrong, because I usually I usually don't like, you know, don't like fuel races. Like, I, I want to see him racing hard all the way to the end. But um, I, I don't know. It was, it was this race was, uh, was an exception to that. Because you had, like, he was literally 
coming across the line going like half yeah, the speed. In, and in they're the coming race, like, like a, like a freaking freight train. Race trim, they're running 223s ish. Mm-hmm. He crossed the line in 137. 137. Out of gas. He sputtered out of four. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and anyways, that, no, that, 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 that 500 was, um, that was, that was such a memorable 500. It was, it was really good. It was really good. But, you know, like looking looking at some of these tracks um, the one I'm most excited about is I'm really excited about about Michigan you know um, you know Michigan um, you know lots of times the, the cars to, and it's, it's just because you know the track is big you know Michigan's just a big track you know um, so a lot of times the cars get um, get spread out but but seeing something that's gonna be closer to you know some somewhere between like what we saw in the All Star race and then you know and then like you know a little bit more like Daytona you know, like the Daytona 500 but on a little bit smaller scale like I think it's gonna play really really well at, at Michigan. At Michigan, you can see three wide here at Daytona. Yeah. At Michigan on restarts with this package, <laughs> you might see literally five, maybe six wide. Like it's going to be that intense on restarts at least. Oh, I, I totally agree. You get a good start, you can make a run, and that track's wide enough, you can go six wide. You, you really can. I mean, Michigan's got you know got a lot of a you know a lot it's, of bang to it, a lot of you know, a lot of width. It's going it. to be like a Pocono restart on a bank oval. You know, this is one of the other things too. Is you know your question was you know what what is it going to do for passing and and kind of like what we saw in the All Star race is is if everybody's you know shuffling around a little bit then one car could kind of you know could kind of you know get a little bit of a gap on the field but once two or three cars got in line you know two or three cars could punt down yeah now um, that that pass for the for the uh, for first. Man, in the All Star race, that pass to first is really difficult. Like you had to have a good push from the people behind you to get you know, to get past the first place car and maintain your momentum enough to make the pass stay. On, I don't think I have a problem with that though. Like I think I think that the first place car should be the hardest one to pass. Yeah, I mean the first place car is supposed to be the best car, so it shouldn't be easy to go by under most circumstances. No, no, I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think um, so. Man. I'm looking at it and just kind of giving the rundown just at, at how many how many tracks that this is gonna you know it looks like um, looks like we're gonna have some substantial changes but I mean Texas has got two Kansas has got two Charlotte is I mean well Charlotte's got the Roval the and, best thing in NASCAR <laughs> the Roval the All Star Race and the 600. So, so the question, one of my questions is, is if you do this, um, if you do this, uh, this new downforce package for the Coke 600, what do you do for the All Star race? Like, what do you, what do you do to follow? You know, um, you know, to, uh, I mean, because the All Star race showed us something drastic this year. What do you, what do you do for the All Star race next year? Try something. I, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> I mean. For me, I'd find a way to get the crews involved a little more. I know they already are. Like, you have certain things you have to do with the crews. I don't know what that all entails. I don't know if it's, you know, make the R-Stall race on the Roval or something. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. The All-Star race on the Roval with... Here you go. Put them in equal equipment. Same freaking engine. Same car. Equal equipment. Then you can find out who the best driver is. Now, they'll never do that because Chevy, Toyota, Ford... They don't want to have their drivers in a different engine. I don't. I don't think I'd want. If you're asking my. If you're asking for my dream situation, put them in equal equipment for once and see who the best driver is. Nah. That's, that's my dream. 
but no, you know, across I mean, all of motorsports, we're never going to see that again. I, 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 and, and I'm going to disagree. Like that's 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 great. I appreciate you know appreciate the dream the dream situation. Um, I, I I like the variety. You know, I like so do in, I. But in, an also race is supposed to be different. An all star race is supposed to be different. Yeah, but it wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't the race champions? Wasn't uh, um, wasn't uh, IROC? Wasn't that it? Like they'd have like what was it, like an eight race series throughout the year, and, um, and it was always always equal equipment. IROC doesn't exist anymore, man. <laughs> I know that's why you do it one time a year. You have your best however many drivers. All right. Put them in an equal car. Okay. All right. Like vote Matt Benedetto in. Oh get him my. Equal equipment and watch him win. <laughs> <laughs> that dude can drive. All right, all right. So, looking forward to uh, looking forward to to next uh, next week. We we have to apologize on our our, our gal Dari was was out of out of town this uh, this weekend. Um, but we're gonna have her uh, pick some of our uh, um, some of our, uh, our our race winners and people to watch for uh, for Kansas. Dari, what do you uh, what, what are you looking forward to for Kansas? Uh, obviously, seeing Chase Elliott. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, who do you think is gonna win? Chase doesn't have to win. He's already it in. Matter. He can win though. He has to win. He can win. He can win. Whatever. He doesn't need to. Yeah. Okay. All right. The more wins, the better. Give, give us, give us, give us the top top three drivers and why. Jeez. <laughs> Too picky. I got mine. Um, Easy. Chase. Larson and er, I gotta go Kislowski. Okay. No particular reason. You hate Kislowski. <laughs> so she chooses Chase because she loves Chase. She chooses Larson because he's good. And chooses Kislowski. I'm not sure why because she hates Kislowski. Um, For some reason. Stop no. hating on my three. Brad's good. Brad's good. No, that's a, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Um, we still live? We are. Yeah, we are. We are. We are. We're we're coming coming to the guys. end here. Uh-huh. Yep. Um. So. Um. Uh, I actually I, I agree with you on Larson. I think that Larson's got one of the strongest Chevrolets in, um, in the field, and um, I think Larson can put it to the top side and just set sail and go. Um, I think it's gonna be kind of hard to pick against Harvick, though. I'd have to pick Harvick for for the mile and a half tracks. I mean, and like Harvick just looks so good at you know at Dover and Talladega and everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> um, Chase, though, Chase is still a solid bet though because Chase is already through, man. Like the the nine team can go to uh, can go to Kansas. They can go just, boom or bust. They can yeah. try and save fuel and get to the end. They can take two tires on the last stop. Yeah. They can do a lot of things to you know see what happens because they're through regardless. The, the, the nine car could honestly go to Kansas and just say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna do the opposite of whatever Everybody else, else does. does. Yeah. <laughs> um, but man, um, all right. So my three, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Larson Harvick. And um, and uh, Larson Harvick, and I just don't. I don't know. Probably gonna go ahead and toss Blaney in there. Blaney, that's interesting. Yeah, I got a little bit holding my, my my dark horse, if you will. But um, but I don't. I just have. 
like what what, what confidence tell me about the Toyotas they've been really interesting um, I know like run strong but just they haven't ran as strong as you had they did in the regular season right you take Talladega out because anything can happen in Talladega but even at Dover they were not your typical Toyota where you expect to see Bush and Truex in the top five top ten all race long so it's interesting I mean I don't think I even put as a driver I would trust Truex or Bush but with how they performed and it's not all their fault I don't know if I would trust a Toyota this weekend I mean and, and like even at Talladega, man, Kyle Busch was had he had a handful early in the race um, to the point where both him and Truex dropped and you know, dropped back in the field, just like counting out a big one to take out you know, take out a bunch of cars. Um, so Toyotas looked so so strong all year, but um, I don't I don't know if I am betting on Toyota right now. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, my top three is going to be Larson, Harvick, and then my sleepers, Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch? Yeah. You think he's gonna? I'm just a big fan of Kurt Busch. He's the opposite of his brother, and I cannot stand his brother. Kurt, for the most part, lets his driving do the talking, um, which I like, just kind of how I roll, I guess. But he had some comments about the caution not being flown this past week because uh-huh. he would have won the race. I mean, anybody's going to react that way, but I, don't know, I just like Kurt Busch. Okay. He'll drive anything you can, you know, if it's uh, four wheels and uh, four tires and a wheel, he'll drive it, and I like that about him. Mm. Let's see what happens. I see, think, uh, think, uh, think Kurt Busch is a, uh, is a, is a true, uh, true wheel man then, huh? He is, yeah. All right, all right, excellent. Um, well, there are our, uh, our picks, and um, Dari didn't get a lot to, uh, to chip in this, to chime in this weekend, but, you know, Dari's not sorry. So we, we appreciate her for that, and uh, we look forward to, uh, to talking through Kansas next week.